your shot at $1,000. Now, text the keyword BANK to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's BANK to 200-200. Sean Miller, I knew you wouldn't come. Delete, delete, delete. There's a notion out there that because Pitt offered Dan Hurley, the Rhode Island coach, they offered him $3 million per season to coach Pitt basketball. And the notion holds that it's okay if he doesn't take it. It's okay if Dan Hurley turns down a better offer from Pitt to stay at Rhode Island or go to UConn. It's okay if Dan Hurley spurns the Pitt basketball job because Pitt tried hard, because Pitt made a big boy offer, because trying is what counts. That notion is absolute stupidity. Merely trying won't get Pitt a good coach. Trying won't dig out of that deep, stinky, 0-18 hole. Trying won't fill all those empty seats at the Pete's. Forget about making a big boy offer. Pitt needs to get some big boy results. Three million bucks per year to Hurley, that's a big offer. But Pitt's gonna have to overpay to get a quality coach. If three mil's not enough, try 3.5. Otherwise, the result of trying hard will be Kevin Willard as coach. And worse will go to even worse. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping you build the right way since 1956. Now, uh, we had equipment difficulties during my last segment, so I have no idea what did it didn't get on the air. When I was talking during that segment, I don't know when exactly the equipment cut out. So if I repeat stuff, that's just tough crap. That's the way it goes in the radio business. But to stay with uh, my last monologue, I don't get the idea of, well, Pitt tried. It's okay because Pitt tried. you got to get a good coach, and then you got to win. There are no moral victories, just victories. I'm being told I don't know Pitt and I don't know basketball. And, you know, I, I don't follow Pitt basketball closely. I don't follow NCAA basketball closely. Guilty as charged, but 0-18 is really all I need to know. I'm being criticized because I don't go to Pitt games. But I don't need to step in excrement to know it stinks. Sean Miller turned him down. Hurley's going to turn him down. Pitt's going to settle for somebody like Kevin Willard. I think the best thing Pitt basketball could do would be to fade away and classify itself as obsolete. Obsolete. Forgive me, I'm on a, 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 a woke and Hardy's kick. Matt Hardy, uh, he was just brilliant. Uh, the ultimate deletion on Monday Night Raw. Obsolete. And Pitt basketball is a lot closer to obsolete 
than it is respect and relevance. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Penguins against Montreal tonight. It kind of feels like they need a win. Not to make sure they make the playoffs, although if they lose and then lose again, two games at home with Florida coming quickly up on the outside. I'd prefer to not get a wild card. I'd prefer especially to not get a wild card and play Tampa Bay in the first round, although at least we would see what is what right away. But tonight feels like a relatively important game for the Penguins. Like a game they don't have to win, but they could sure use the two points. This will seem like, uh, I I don't know, sour grapes maybe, because the Flyers are just one point behind the Penguins, and this late in the season, wherever you're at is wherever you're at. But the Flyers have 12 loser points. The Penguins have won 41 games and lost 32. They are nine games over 500. The Flyers have won 37 games and lost 37. They are exactly at 500. But the loser point has them jammed up the Penguins' backside, which shows, as I've always said, not just because the Flyers are taking benefit, it shows what a flawed way of keeping standings the loser point provides. Let's go to Dan in Upper St. Clair. Dan, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Double M. Uh, I was just wondering, do you think that maybe Pitt basketball would have been better off if they didn't join the ACC and uh, perhaps stayed in the All-American or joined the All-American Conference? And Pitt, Pitt a- basketball would have been better off, Dan, had the old Big East never folded. That was the ideal home for Pitt basketball. Uh, but and given then- the options you just stated, I think it's better than the ACC. And at any rate... That decision had nothing to do with basketball and everything to do with football because right. football in its worst year makes more money at Pitt than basketball in its best year. Right, so the football team kind of steers the ship and the basketball kind of just went with it. Exactly right. But, but again, the best scenario, and thank you for the call, Dan, the best scenario for Pitt Hoops would have been if the old Big East was still around and Pitt was in it. Let's go to Rick on the road. Rick, you're on with Mark. Um, hi, Mark. Yeah, I think the position is a good position because of the extremely low expectations that are going to be for the next coach. And yeah, but, but a, good, a good coach, no, hold on, hold on now. Rick, a good coach doesn't want low expectations. A good coach isn't a sissy, Mary, hoping to milk a paycheck while just keeping the program's head above water. Well, I think it's clear that they have no shot at a good coach, though. Am I right? Uh, No question. A low expectations job is something a Kevin Willard would take, who's going to wind up being the next pit head coach, the guy who's at Seton Hall. I think that's who they're going to wind up settling for. Thank you for the call, Rick. 412-333-9939. I am live at Buford's on 5th. And we got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour, equipment permitting. 105.90X. Now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I'm one of a kind on the radio. Thank you for being the best damn radio host in Pittsburgh. It's a family affair. The X at 105.9.
Double M live at Buford's on Fifth Avenue. We got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour. Here's a tweet from a guy called No Wooing. Tell that to Ric Flair, bub. He tweets, were the Penguins obsolete in 2006 like Pitt is now? When they missed the playoffs and then proceeded to make the Stanley Cup final two years later? Yeah, uh, the Penguins did miss the playoffs in Sidney Crosby's rookie year, which was 2005-2006. And they were even worse than that for several years before that. That's how they got to draft Sid and Malkin and Jordan Stahl and Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, Pitt went 0-18 in the ACC this past year, but they don't get the ACC's first draft pick. They don't get to select Crosby or Malkin or Stahl or Fleury or the basketball equivalent in the first round. In fact, 0-18 in the ACC uh, guaranteed further that whoever that equivalent would be to Crosby, Malkin, etc. in basketball would in no way even consider Pitt, let alone commit to going there. So I don't see that as a valid comparison. Uh, speaking of Sidney Crosby, uh, Sid only has 23 goals and could finish with his lowest goal total ever in the NHL in a season where he wasn't significantly injured or uh, when it was a lockout year. And Sid's averaging over a point per game. I have no complaint with the way he's playing, his puck distribution, his work along the wall in front. Everything Sid does, he's doing well, but they could use a few more goals from him, which is why I think he needs uh, better line mates, why they need to consolidate the top forwards on the Penguins into two lines and use, say, Broussard, Haglin and Brian Rust as a third-style, third-line that plays more the traditional third-line style. Now, this is going way out on a limb, but I would consider bringing Daniel Sprong up for a few games just to give him a look with Sid because I thought Sid played very well with Sprong the few games they played together earlier this season. But even though I think that's a good idea, Mike Sullivan and Jim Rutherford do not so it has no chance of happening. Uh, here's some good news for a friend of the show. Pat McAfee has signed with WWE. And he'll be doing some mic work on the WWE's NXT show. That's their minor league promotion. He'll be doing some mic work for NXT on WrestleMania weekend. It's funny, though, because there's a tweet Pat put out there of him signing his contract saying he's living his dream. I love Pat. I can't believe that's his dream and not punting in the NFL. I, I can't believe that he walked away from everybody else's dream and now he's indulging what I'm sure is a big deal for him working in wrestling. Let's go to John in Monroeville. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Oh, uh, yeah. I just had a question as to um, why you wanted to basically just give out bad media to every single team in Pittsburgh other than the Penguins? Well, I give pretty good media to the Steelers when they do well. Pitt basketball went 0-18 this year, so I don't feel the need to pump their tires. And the Pirates took a 98-win team in 2015 and disassembled it to save money, and they've been fading quickly ever since, so I don't feel the need to give them 
undue praise. Uh, why? Do you see my job as being a PR pe- person for Pittsburgh sports teams or to just come on the show and tell the truth? Uh, probably a little of both. Well, you're wrong. It's none of the former and, and totally the latter. And if I give the Penguins good coverage, it's because they've won two Stanley Cups in a row and are legitimate contenders for a third. When the Penguins do poorly, I say it. In fact, I've been suggesting all day that the coach is wrong about his primary strategy of separating his stars onto three lines. They're going so out the it, first round. Well, if you want to laugh and gloat about that, that's terrific. I don't know why you would, but Pitt stinks. They're 0-18. The Pirates stink. So if the Penguins go out in the first round, their season will have been umpteen times better than either Pitt or the Pirates. If the Penguins go out in the first round, they will have underachieved, just like the Steelers have done for the best part of a decade now. And I can't make any more clear. There is no polishing the piece of excrement that Pitt basketball is. They were 0-18 in the ACC. People who want me to look on the bright side like that jerk off from Monroeville, tell me the bright side. Tell me the bright side of a team that goes 0-18 in conference play, and I'll look at it until I learn what that bright side is. I'll just be real and get ratings and cash big checks. Thank you very much. I don't know who the next Pitt basketball coach is going to be. I guarantee you this. If you put me and him in a bar in Pittsburgh, I'd be the guy that people would come up to and ask for an autograph. Up next, we talk to former Penguin Mike Rupp. He's with the NHL Network. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Joining me now, a Stanley Cup winner with New Jersey, the ex-Penguin now with the NHL Network, it's Mike Rupp. Rupp, let's say the Penguins lose again tonight after that disaster in Brooklyn. Are they suddenly back in a race just to make the playoffs, or do you feel like they're safe? I feel like they're safe. I don't think this team's going to be one that's going to go in the tank for the rest of the season or for a, a stretch. I would expect them. I mean, you're getting against, I think that they're uh, a group that understands you've got the worst road team in the National Hockey League coming in to town, and, and you're tied for the best home record in the National Hockey League. You've got a, a goaltender who hasn't played in a long time, Carey Price, and you're just gonna. You know that the the main objective of this game is to get out there, guns blazing in the first period. And I think if they do that, we'll things see things kind of take care of themselves. The PPG paints. Um, this team realizes that, and, and and that's the best thing about playing a, a back-to-back game is that you get a nice opportunity to kind of erase that taste in your mouth that happened last night in Brooklyn. Well, I hope they come out guns a-blazing, as you suggest, because they were flat last night in Brooklyn. They played an awful lot on the perimeter. What went wrong, from your viewpoint, against the Islanders? They just seemed to, they, they didn't seem to be quick on pucks. They didn't make things happen with their legs. Um, I think it, we're kind of waiting for that, especially when... You know, you're looking, going in the third period, I think the penalties were five uh, in the favor of uh, the Islanders, five to one. And we've all seen enough hockey to know that when you're in that kind of situation, what's said in that locker room is, hey, boys, listen, we, we're we going to get the call. But we got to move our feet, make things happen, make them defend. If you make them defend, they're going to take a penalty, and then you'll get on the power play, and we know what that team can do 
with with the power play and the man advantage. But they just never seem to do that. And then you have Gino kind of taking one, uh, that, that penalty, that kind of just trying to get a swipe at the puck and getting a penalty on it. And then the Islanders end up capitalizing. And really just, that was, that was it after that. And, uh, so I, I think that that is something that you, uh, you got to look forward to is in this team has re- kind of rewrote the books starting a, a few years back with being one of the first teams to really exemplify speed. All the other teams have caught up. They've adjusted, especially because the Penguins have won two cups in a row. And now this team's just got to make sure they're bringing that all the time. Because other teams are, are capable of doing it now, too. And, and the Islanders are just much quicker in the game. Rupert, I've gone a bit sour on the idea of putting Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel on different lines. The Stars don't look like Stars right now. I think they need more help. The, the, I, you know what? Jay Caulfield and I were talking about it off air last night, and it was it – was, uh, I find it really intriguing. I think you got the right coach in there that's not afraid to mix things up where uh, I think a big thing for me is things started getting a little stagnant lately. And, um, you know, even even when we look to the Derek Broussard trade, which which looked so great at, at first, and I, I still think it's going to be great. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time here, and there's not much time left. So how do you push those buttons to get everybody going? I think you have the luxury of when that trade went down, Riley Shane was the best form of Riley Shane that we've seen in the last three years. And now he goes into less minutes. Um, so he kind of got pulled out of the equation a little bit or, or taken aback a little bit. And Derek Broussard, he's going to a team now where his minutes have got to be down from what they were in Ottawa. And that line, although they, they had that great goal last night, um, you know, you have the luxury, though. Can you kick Derek Broussard to the wing? We saw him get put on the wing, I think, with Sidney Crosby in the game last night. Can you do that? Move Riley Shane up to the third line, see if you can get that going again. Um, I mean, I, I think a, a Crosby, of any way you want to throw that top line, is that that's your, your, your line one, and your, your 1B could look something like Malkin with with uh, with Broussard on, on that line. And, um I, yeah, I just think that they have the luxury of doing those kind of things. You can, geez, you can even move Evgeny Malkin to the wing and see how that would work. I mean, you've got you've got the luxury of just trying those things out in these next few games. I mean, a center ice that looks like Crosby, Broussard, and Shane—that's still a pretty darn good center ice uh, for for any hockey team in the league. So um, I, they've got the luxury of doing it. I, I think Mike uh, Sullivan will start pushing those buttons and seeing what happens. Well, I wouldn't move Shane up the lineup. I think his role is to be the best fourth-line center in the league and not a mediocre top-six winger. My lines would be Sid Hornquist and Gensel, Gino Kessel and either Sherry or Aston Reese when he's healthy, Haglin, Broussard, and Rust. And that's a pretty good third line, Haglin, Broussard, and Rust, don't you think, Rupper? It's a more traditional third line, but it's a good third line. It is. And, and the thing you got to look at, too, with Derek Broussard, and I know his time with the Rangers – he had some nice chemistry at different times with different players, and, and Rick Nash was one that he was able to to get something going with at times. But for the most part in this guy's career, he's he's established himself without really having that superstar. And he hasn't really had to um, – he's capable of it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He's capable of, of being the player that he is without having that superstar. Maybe – Maybe getting Phil away from him um, to some degree allows him to be more in what he's accustomed to, and maybe that helps Phil too. Um, I think that the, the thing I love about it is 
sometimes it, it, it drives you crazy as a player having new line mates all the time. But then you also know that you're pretty adaptable. And, and this team moves lines around probably more than any team I've seen. And so you've got guys capable. They're, they're not stuck in their own ways. And uh, there's a lot of different options there. We're talking to Mike Rupp from the NHL Network here on the Mark Madden Show. Rupper, why do Sid and Kessel never play together five on five? I mean, like never in the three years that Phil's been here. <laughs> well, remember at the beginning they started together, right? Yeah, right for away. like two or three games, literally just two or three games. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think that unless, unless putting those two guys together gets you, you know, two fifty goal scores, I don't really. I, I just don't. I just don't see that being uh, the best option. I mean, Sid, we've talked about it many times, you and I have, and about Sid just needs consistency. And when you give him guys, he'll he'll make that line good. It'll be a top line. And why would you waste that, you know, that why would you, why would you waste the, the talent and putting it up there unless it's going to be out of this world? And it, well, yeah, but Rupper, maybe Sid, maybe Sid needs a little help at this point because Sid right now is on pace to have his lowest goal total ever in a full season. Yeah, but you could live with that, though, because of what Gino and, and Phil are doing. You know what I mean? And, and I, I think that Sid is a guy that I would be shocked at all if this guy wins the con Smythe again this year. I mean, he, he has that ability just to crank it up and, and get it going. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think if you are going to move Phil, I think Phil goes to play with Gino, and and that's what I think. I I think that the Gino is a a player that I don't I want to make sure I word this properly. He's a player that's a little easier to play with. Um, you can play with him when you're playing with Sid. You basically just get open, and you know what I mean. You don't Sid doesn't have to play with. That's why I think that Gensel and Sherry over the last couple of years have worked out so well because this is the first time I actually see guys like consistently playing with. Well, even when you date back to the Dupuis and Kunitz days, they play with him, but they also were straight line guys that Sid knew where they were going to be and he got them the puck and they scored. And so I think that sometimes you muddy it up a little bit too much when you have two guys that think and see the game with a different set of lenses. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9 The X, your home for Penguins hockey. Seems like we lost Mark down at Buford's again. So we will go to a break right now, and we'll be back with more of The X, 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I would want total and absolute autonomy. Hey, Mark, great show. Are you part psychic? Well, I'm actually more neurotic than psychic. The X at 105.9. More technical difficulties, crew. We'll catch up with Mike Rupp next week. Rupper was brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Make every day a Porsche day with the new Macan. One thing I wanted to talk about with Rupper, what's the catalyst for Columbus now having won nine straight games, but we all know it's the presence of Ian Cole on their defense. Also, a, a weird situation developing in Washington and New Jersey. Each of those teams has a pretty highly regarded number one goalie, Washington with Holtby and... Uh, New Jersey with Schneider, but it seems like each is on the verge of losing his starting job going into the playoffs with Kevin Kincaid maybe getting between the sticks for New Jersey and Grabauer playing in goal for Washington. So 
We'll talk more about uh, hockey with Rupper next week and more about those issues perhaps a little later in the show. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin, who is a Pitt fan. Not many of those left. Uh, do you believe that Pitt turned down Sean Miller? That's what Pitt has apparently leaked, uh, that Sean Miller wanted the job, but Pitt is still leery of him because of the FBI investigation and those allegations. Who do you believe, Bob? Uh, not because I'm a Pitt fan, Mark, but I do believe uh, that Miller right now is just a little bit too toxic for Heather Like, and I think that, A, that's a mistake uh, because you at least should have kept him along a little bit further. See how deep it goes. See what your other candidates are going to do because you don't want to be left with nobody. And if Danny Hurley turns down that job, that's exactly where they're going to be. So probably a mistake to just end it after one date, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, but I do think it was Pitt's call on that end. A little too toxic right now. I, I just don't believe Pitt was dumb enough. Then again, it is Heather Like. Uh, but I, if she was dumb enough to turn down Sean Miller, then she was dumb because, like you said, uh, who else are they going to get? Who are they going to settle for? And I believe that will now wind up being Kevin Willard of Seton Hall. And, and you mentioned Danny Hurley. Bob, what do you think he's going to do? Uh, the more I read about the situation... I think he's going to go back to Rhode Island for a year and see if any bigger and better jobs open up next offseason if he can have another good year at Rhode Island. Well, the one thing, you know, something to throw into the mix here, Mark, is that Dave Padgett's not going to go back to Louisville, and they're going to turn to Chris Mack, who's at Xavier, and so Xavier is a pretty good opportunity, and Xavier is probably going to reach out to Danny Hurley also if all of these dominoes fall. So that's another team that's in the mix, not just Pitt, not just UConn, not just Rhode Island. So if you look at just the math, there's even a slimmer chance now that Danny Hurley is going to end up at Pitt if all of this comes to fruition. I would think that the UConn job is a little bit better of a job right now. Um, and from everything I read, Mark... It I, I think it's more attractive to Hurley, Bob, because, you know, yeah. he's from that area. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, I think that that's the way it's going to go. I don't think that money... Everything I've read about Danny Hurley is that he's not about the money. He's for the opportunity. And I just think right now... <laughs> bo- I, I don't believe that either, Bob. Well, he's turned down bigger contracts in the past. Yeah. I, I, what would it say, though? If Pitt made him the biggest offer, and some say the offer was biggest by a million dollars or more, right? what if Hurley turns that down? It What's sh- that say about Pitt's program? Exactly. It shows what you've been saying, that it is too much of a build right now. It's too much of an endeavor. With all of the players they're, they're going to lose, I see people talking about getting junior college transfers and starting with that, and that people have had success with that before. Oh, my. Is that really when a coach? Well, Bob, I, I don't think Pitt would have success with that. No. Uh, that that Musselman that, that, that could potentially be a candidate is a special specialist that bringing in J.C. transfers. You, you do that initially just to survive. Absolutely. Just as a bridge to get to when you get your recruiting classes installed and uh, get the kids who went 0-18 out of there, although they mostly want to seem to leave on their own, don't they? Yeah, that's a lifeline, Mark. That's the If that's the last thing that they can do, that's their lifeline. Um, I think that they have to make it as enticing a job for Danny Hurley right now. They just have to get him because, like you just mentioned, if they don't get him, boy, they're really left holding an empty bag. Tell me why the pit job is an attractive opportunity. Because right now... I can't see one reason 
why any coach, and I mean any coach, would want to take that job. It's just too big a build initially. It's a guarantee of one or two rock-bottom years. Well, I, you know, a couple of callers earlier today and even in the last few days, Mark, have given the same reason I'm going to give, and you chop them off at the knees, you may do the same to me, but it is ACC basketball. You're on the big stage right now, the biggest stage in the country for college hoops. You're running with the big dogs. Your name is out there. Your university is out there. Um, and look, 0-18, two wins, three wins, and you're moving up. So there is opportunity. It is the big stage, but a daunting task, for lack of a better word. Now, as you're aware, there are a vocal group of Pitt fans who are telling me I'm full of crap and going all out to defend the program. And I admire loyalty. But if these Pitt fans are so loyal and think the program is so easily resurrected, why was the Pete two-thirds empty for just about every home game this year? Yeah, you're right. I don't have an easy answer. Um, and, look, I didn't go to a game this year, so I guess I'm part of that. Um, it's because, they, you know, there's, a, there's X amount of entertainment dollars here in Pittsburgh. These people who had pit season tickets for the last number of years, they've also got Steeler tickets. They've got Penguin tickets. They've got pit football tickets. Well, maybe not that many of them. But while they were winning, it was a super hot ticket. People were okay with spending that money to go see Pitt. It was a great product. I don't know, Bob. Forgive my interruption. I don't know if it was a super hot ticket. I had a theory. What's the capacity to Pete? Like 11K, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit over. I had a theory that... The capacity at the Pete, eleven K or so, was perfect because I think exactly eleven thousand people in Pittsburgh were interested in Pitt. And if they had added an extra thousand seats, those seats would have been empty. I don't know if it was a hot ticket as much as it was an ideally sized state of the art facility. Uh, I can tell you this, Mark, my family has season tickets to Pitt basketball. We were asked all the time. If uh, we would give up our seats, we were at, I was asked if I could get tickets. Uh, I think it was a pretty hot ticket. But, again, that's when they were winning, and they were winning big, and it was a great story. When they started to lose, they fell off quickly. They fell off in droves because other people were winning. The Steelers were winning. The Penguins were winning. They got two cups. Uh, Pitt football was winning a little bit more. I think that Pitt basketball just fell off the edge because they were the last out of four that people had interest and fundage available for. We're talking to Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, a quick Penguin note. Uh, are you at all worried that they lost that game to Brooklyn last night and the number nine team in the Eastern Conference, Florida, is just six points back with two games in hand? Yeah, uh, maybe concerned, Mark. Not really worried. I agree with Rupper. I think that the Penguins will make the playoffs, but it's awfully tight right now. I think if they win tonight, all the worrying stops. I think if they lose tonight, the worrying multiplies. That's well put. And you also got to look at what the Blue Jackets and the Flyers are doing. Uh, the Blue Jackets on that roll right now, and they look good. Um, I I've, you know, I hate the Flyers, but I'm concerned that they are right behind the Penguins at 86 points. To the Penguins, 87. And with a game like that, um, you know, the Penguins have been hot recently. They survived not having Matt Murray. Hopefully Matt Murray now is the piece that keeps them winning while everybody else kind of regroups um, and, and gets hot again. And I know you've been talking a lot of Sidney Crosby today, and you're right. They have to get that line figured out so that Sid gets his help and gets back, uh, you know, putting up the points that he needs to. It can't all be second, third line. Well, what about my idea that they should separate Malk and Kessel and Crosby? Excuse me. Uh, they should stop doing that. That's, that's Sullivan's dream 
lineup, those three on different lines. I think they should put uh, Gino back with Phil and give Sid the next best two wingers, which I suppose would be Hornquist and Gensel. I'm fine with that right now. Sometimes, Mark, in hockey, it just takes a little bit of a change. And then, you know, three, four games, you get that rolling, and then maybe you go back to the way it was, and it's hot again. I'm fine with any of that. They make sense. They're talented enough up and down the lines to make any of that work. They just need to find the see, right see, formula. I, I, I don't know. I don't think the three guys, the three stars on separate lines is working anymore. Bob, when was the last time any of those three went out Shift after shift in the game and looked like a star. That's a good question. I, I mean, I, I absolutely get your point, uh, but maybe this is just a down, uh, a downturn for them for a couple of games, Mark. And you know, they get it together as they get into the playoffs, and it all starts going again. Because look, you've got the success, you've got proof that those lines work. They just haven't recently. I, I don't know, Bob. Sid's on pace for his lowest points per game. In a full season, he's on pace for as low as goal total in a full season. And I think Sid's playing very well. I just don't think he has people to cash in the work or provide him opportunities. Well, if I was going to say um, out of all your ideas and how to get them rolling again, I think they put Hornquist on Sid's line again with Gensel on the other side. That would be the first move. See if that works. And if it does, doesn't matter what those three guys want, who they want to play with. If it's working, keep them there. Maybe I'm being too protective of Sid when I say this. But doesn't it seem like Sid's always the last in line when it comes to line mates? Then again, that's what they said about Dio. <laughs> but, but, but they give Sid guys to elevate, and they give Kessel and Gino guys that can help him. No, you're right, and I think that, that there's proof of that. Up and down, you know, the last number of years, as long as Sid's been kind of, you know, doing his thing. And you talk, and other people talk, people that know the game, Rupper. How many times have you guys spoken about how tough it is to play with Sid um, but he makes everybody better around him most of the time. Rarely do you see somebody on his line keep him at his level or make him better. Um, they got to figure that out, and maybe the answer is as simple as putting Hornquist up there on the right. Bob, good stuff. That's Bob McLaughlin brought to you by 84 Lumber. Up next, I'm going to tell you five words that describe why the Penguins looked terrible last night at Brooklyn. I'm Mark Madden, live at Buford's Fifth Avenue. Come on in and get the gumbo, 105.9 The X.